This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers, helping you prioritize your health, happiness, and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds-Keen, reminding you that you're a person first and a teacher second, and you are allowed to look after you. This episode of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast is brought to you by the Resilient Teacher Roadmap Course, an eight-week online course for tired teachers to learn how to cultivate well-being and build resilience throughout the school year, not just on the school holidays. Because the truth is that the cure for teacher burnout is not self-care. It's actually systemic and cultural change, real workload reduction, and deep abiding community care. But sadly, that's not the world we currently live in. I believe we can get there, but in order for any of us to be involved in creating and receiving the benefits of those changes, we need to survive and function this term, this week, today. The key to that is building resilience and cultivating well-being through self-advocacy, self-compassion and transformational self-care, not just the Instagrammable kind. So the Resilient Teacher Roadmap course is a framework, not a prescription. It's not a quick fix. It's also not PD or an academic course. It's about your beliefs and behaviours and how they impact and keep you on the downward depletion spiral or on the upwards resilience spiral. Yes, you'll learn practical strategies and be given tips, tricks and activities to try at home. But even more than that, you'll learn the skills to continually take into account the reality of your life and work and to differentiate for what you actually need to support your personal well-being sustainably over the long term. Find out more at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash roadmap. And now enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome back to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. In this episode, we hear again from guest host Ellie, whose story you heard back in episode two of this season. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I recommend you go and do so at some stage so that you catch up on Ellie's story. So we recorded this in 2021, obviously before I went off on maternity leave, uh, and Ellie at the time was studying a Master's of Wellbeing, and I'm pleased to report that in 2022, Ellie has got a job as a wellbeing officer with a private school in Southeast Queensland. So I know there's a bunch of you listening who are really interested in well-being roles within schools and you'll know because I've said before like at the moment they're generally volunteer roles but there are little by little starting to be paid roles appearing generally they do happen to be in private schools at the moment which just makes sense because that's where the money is to be honest but I just wanted to share that little tidbit with you and with Ellie's permission I did ask her permission to share that information because I want to encourage you if you are really wanting to be in a well-being role in a school, whether it's student well-being or teacher well-being or, you know, a combination of both as Ellie's role is this year, I want to encourage you to pursue that. Know that it might take some time because they're few and far between as paid roles at the moment, but don't let that, the fact that those roles aren't very common yet, don't let that hold you back because if this is an area that you're really passionate about, then I predict over the next decade, there will be many more of these jobs available. So, you know, start building up your resume now, start doing, taking on some volunteer roles in your school, 
putting your hand up for that, pursuing extra study, whatever it looks like for you to take the next step in that arena. So, yeah, I just wanted to encourage you. Obviously, uh, we'll get Ellie back on the show later in the year if she wants to come and share her experience doing the job in a paid role. But I also want to let you know that uh, this year I am back in the office now a couple of you know, a couple of hours on a couple of days a week. And so, coaching opportunities are happening again. So, if you would like some one-on-one coaching with me, then just head to selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash coaching and you can read a bit more about that there and book yourself a discovery call. You can also hit me up on Instagram if you want some, if you just have questions about that and you'd like some more information, just DM me on Instagram at selfcareforteachers. And also in February and March uh, of 2022, uh, and there'll be more dates in the future if you're listening to this after that. So check the website for the dates. But in February and March of 2022, I am holding some more networking calls. So we did these back in 2020 and the very beginning of 2021, but some more networking calls for school wellbeing champions. So whether or not you are in a paid wellbeing role in your school, or whether you are aspiring to be, you know, whether your school has a staff wellbeing program or not, I really want to continue connecting teachers and school staff who are passionate about wellbeing for staff and students. I want to continue connecting those of you because it's often a quite an isolating role. And so we're having some networking calls in February and March in 2022. And there's also a Uh, If you really want to get started in your school and you don't know where to start, I'm also holding a a workshop called School Wellbeing Champions Getting Started in Your School in March as well. That's the 7th of March. And then the networking calls are on the 22nd of Feb and the 22nd of March. So I will pop a link down below in the description of this episode or you can go to selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash wellbeingchampions and uh, find out more. And I would love to see you on Zoom, whether for the networking call or the workshop or both. And yeah, I just really want to encourage you if you are interested in well-being roles in schools, even though they're few and far between at the moment, pursue it because I think it's, I really do think it's going to be much more common in the future. And you want to be ready to take that on if it's, uh, if the opportunity comes up for you. So in this episode, we are talking about professional versus personal well-being. Ellie tells us about using a professional learning community, PLC, for well-being and different models that can be used to do that and how teacher well-being can be improved through high-functioning professional learning communities. And yeah, enjoy the episode with guest host Ellie. Hi, I'm Ellie Huth and thanks again to Ellen for having me on her podcast. If you missed my interview with Ellen, I came across her podcast while I was doing some research, teacher wellbeing strategies for one of my assignments. I'm almost finished studying my master's in educational leadership, specializing in wellbeing at the moment, currently taking a break this year from teaching after a particularly bad year last year. I discussed with Ellen the idea of me sharing some of my learnings from my master's and my wellbeing journey in teaching as well while she's on maternity leave, and now it's happening. So thanks so much, Ellen. Today I want to tease out the idea of wellbeing and how schools can help you in that area. Primarily, I'll be talking about the idea of professional versus personal wellbeing and the importance of your professional learning community, or PLC, for your wellbeing at work. So some of my experiences with the PLC haven't been that great. I wonder what yours have been like. 
In one school, we had great goal setting at the start of term one, and we actually got time for observation and feedback. But term two happened, and after that, it all just kind of seemed to fade away amongst the hundreds of other tasks and things that needed to be done. So the accountability, which would have been good in a good way from school leaders, was severely lacking. And then in another school, we had this incredible professional development on leadership and how teachers are leaders and We set goals at the end of that where school leaders were involved in that. But after that, nothing further happened. We were told there would be some sort of professional learning community set up, but it never eventuated. And my husband, who is also a teacher, but we work at different schools, thankfully, uh, he had a similar experience where time and energy was spent setting up these learning cycles with this small group of kind of passionate teachers. And then when it came time where they fleshed it out and all the teachers would be involved, it it just fizzled out. So just having a think about your professional learning community, is there one in your school? Does it happen all the time? Is it sustainable? Just have a think about some of those things while you're listening. But why is this important? So some of the research that I've been looking at for my study shows that teacher wellbeing can actually be improved with a high functioning professional learning community. And some of the research that I'm using today comes from the work of Suzanne Owen from the University of South Australia in Adelaide. If you want to have a read of that, I'll leave the reference in the show notes. So if you've forgotten or you don't have a functioning PLC in your school, it's basically just a group of teachers uh, setting goals around student learning and then undergoing cycles of action and reflection to achieve these goals. And it's supposed to be ongoing. It's not supposed to be a flash in the pan thing and it's supposed to be sustainable as well. So one of the models most often used is this cycle of inquiry proposed by Helen Timpley. So this involves the steps of looking at what knowledge and skills do our students need? That's the goal setting. And this leads to, well, what knowledge and skills do I need as a teacher to be able to help these kids? So this leads to some really relevant, specific professional development for you guys. And then some sort of action. So engaging students in these new learning experiences. And then finally, we assess the impact of our actions. So probably some observation, maybe some self-reflection, and then possibly resetting some goals. And then the cycle starts again. So when you're listening, have a think about your current situation. Does your PLC have each of these elements? Are they working effectively? Have you only done one cycle? Each step of this cycle is important uh, as it aligns with each of the factors in the PERMA framework for flourishing or increased well-being. I'm sure you've heard of the work of Dr. Martin Seligman within this whole positive psychology arena around PERMA, which is an acronym. Needless to say, it's not the only well-being framework to use. It's just that a lot of time and research and money has gone into this model. So there is a wealth of information around it. It's not the silver bullet of well-being no one thing ever will be, but it's just a good toolkit. And it's useful because you can actually measure new or current initiatives that might improve teacher well-being with it. Just as an aside, if you're looking for a different model of well-being, Nick Mark's Five Ways to Well-Being is quite similar, but it's a little bit easier to understand. The language around the five elements is a little bit easier to understand for kids. So it involves the elements of be active, take notice, keep learning, give and connect. And this is particularly for primary school students, maybe something they could connect with a little bit easier than words like positive emotion and accomplishment and things like that. 
Anyway, so let's have a quick look at why each element of the PLC cycle is really important for well-being. So goal setting at the start, this gives us meaning and we know as teachers it helps to focus our energies. And then we undertake professional development and we introduce students to new learning and this helps us to be more engaged and our students. So that's the E in PERMA and we strengthen our relationships with our students through these shared experiences. But we also strengthen our relationship with our colleagues through these observation and reflection cycles and through that really rich dialogue about learning. And finally, when we look at the impact of our teaching, we get a sense of accomplishment, the capital A, and positive emotion. Now, these might not all be happening to you all the time, but the research shows that if your PLC is functioning well, these elements should be present in order for well-being to improve. And it's pretty obvious that if your working relationship with your colleagues in your PLC isn't good, the well-being outcomes won't be as high for anyone And similarly, if you don't complete the action cycles and actually get to the stage where you feel like you've accomplished something, your well-being is likely to be lower. So if you think about some of those really great conversations you've had with other staff members about real learning and engaging students, this is the stuff that teachers thrive on. It's what makes us keep coming back to teaching each day. It's why we feel great when a class goes well or when our students succeed or we try something different and we share the learnings from that with others. So why talk about a professional learning community in a teacher wellbeing podcast? Well, often the talk is that schools should be doing more to look after teacher wellbeing and I totally agree. However, I believe strongly that wellbeing falls into two main categories. So your personal wellbeing and your professional well-being. And I guess the question is, should schools be involved in both areas? They should definitely be leading your professional well-being. One of the best ways they can do this is by providing enough resources and time to invest in quality professional development that meets the goals and the needs of the teachers within their PLCs. And schools should also be providing resources and tools to support teachers in their own personal well-being But it is not the sole responsibility of schools to ensure that you eat well and get enough sleep and do exercise and all the things that Ellen often talks about. For example, I think back to last year and I had a particularly bad day of teaching. The night before, I was stressing about this really challenging class coming up and how I would prepare for it and I didn't get a lot of sleep. But like most teachers, it's just easier to front up to work sometimes than to plan relief lessons. And particularly as a science teacher, I knew that my students wouldn't be able to do prac unless I was there, leaving them with a double lesson of theory and a relief teacher. Not a good combination. So needless to say, I wasn't in the best frame of mind to deal with some of the more challenging behaviours that occurred that day. A lack of sleep meant I had a lower level of tolerance, humour and empathy. And when I look back now, I really should just have stayed at home as my wellbeing after that day was at an all-time low and it's one of the factors in why I needed a break for teaching. And it really wasn't fair on my students either. But I guess this is the grey area of wellbeing. For example, if a teacher says they can't get enough sleep at night because they have too much work to do or they're stressing about their class, is that personal or professional? I think that schools should be supporting teachers with strategies to improve workflow, student relationship and teacher efficiency but it is ultimately up to teachers in how they manage their workload and to seek help with challenging behaviours, probably what I should have done earlier on. And this is one of the best opportunities for teachers to learn from each other, 
What do those other teachers do, the ones that seem to cruise through marking and reporting? What do they do differently? How could other teachers respond to these type of students? How do they deal with them in their classes and what can I learn from them? Could I actually do what they do? And this is why it's also important to tune in to things like Ellen's podcast as these are the kinds of things that teachers and everybody need to be doing for themselves. Schools can only do so much and it really is up to the individual to look after themselves enough so that they can function during the day. If teachers are coming to work tired, not eating nutritious food, not moving, exercising or making time for the things that they enjoy, it makes it really hard for schools to support their well-being. And when you have even harder days, it makes it hard to function and possibly leads to burnout. So if we're talking about your professional well-being, what can you do about it? I think a great way to start is to evaluate your PLC in your school and think about the areas in which it's currently ineffective. There are some ready-made evaluation tools out there. There's one by Rebecca Woodland, which is particularly detailed. Uh, There's a few by Education Victoria on their website, and there's a little simple self-assessment, and I'll put links to these in the show notes. Get together with your colleagues, spend some time assessing how your PLC is going. Because armed with this information, you can make some very convincing arguments to your school leaders on the importance of a high-functioning PLC and what you need from them in terms of time and resources in order to make this happen. This is an area of staff wellbeing that schools can and should be involved in. So instead of asking for more free coffee or another yoga class, maybe it's time to do something about your professional well-being and kickstart your PLC at work. All the best in your professional well-being as a teacher, and I'm sure Ellen will have a huge range of resources to support your personal well-being coming up. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify, hit the three dots, share it to your Facebook or Instagram stories and let your friends know that you're listening. And if something in this episode made you think about a teacher that you care about and you think they need to hear it, send it to them now. Let's spread the message of teacher well-being and together we can create thriving school communities. Show notes for the podcast can be found at www.selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at selfcareforteachers. As always, remember you're a person first and a teacher second and you are worthy of your own care.